The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. Good evening. Welcome to the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast power. preview show for round 19 versus the Brisbane Lions. Uh, the match will be played on Saturday night at the Gabba. Um, this is Portia speaking, and joining me this week, uh, after a little bit of a hiatus, is Fishing Rick 04. How's it going, Rick? Woohoo, I'm back! Yeah, it's going yeah. very, very, it's very, very, very good. I didn't even, I didn't hear from you, so I wasn't even sure if I, I've been booted for all time or not. Well, I mean, we did actually discuss it, but, um, you know, in the end we just decided that we didn't want to do all of the podcasts, so it's mm. good to have you on occasionally. Yeah, well, that's true. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll keep my stories to a, uh, to a minimum tonight, but here's a here's a story for you. <laughs> yeah, let's start with it. Why not? I um, I had to. This is how uninterested I am now. <laughs> Probably like most Port supporters, I didn't even realise who we were playing until about six o'clock when I checked the thread to see if I was actually uh, on the show or not. <laughs> and and then I was really disappointed when I worked out who we were playing. Ah, oh, okay, that's a bit sad. Well, yeah. look, here's a reason. Here's a reason to be a little bit interested in it, in that the unlikely has happened. Paul Stewart will play his 100th game this week. That's huge. It's, I reckon, it's great. It's good and bad. It's I good know. for father-son rule, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, yeah. I, look, I was a bit of a downer the last time I was on, so I'll, uh, I'll try and look at the positive. I mean, for me, the positive is that he was a, he's always been a courageous player. He's yeah. um, he's put his body on the line, and I guess all the uh, all the innuendo out of the club is that he's a great team guy. And I guess it's a story of perseverance, isn't it? You know, he's he's done the hard yards on the list, and it's a fantastic accomplishment. I mean, you know, for all the great players in the game, there's still a lot that don't get to a hundred hundred games. So. You know, congratulations to him. And I've actually been reasonably impressed with his season this year, Portia. Look, it's probably, honestly, it's probably the best one he's had for quite a long time. Um, and it certainly is a personal achievement. I mean, he'd have to be extremely happy with the 100 games, getting that up and, uh, you know, playing against Brisbane, who are, as much as this is not looking like it's going to be a good match, I mean, I feel like they are a traditional rival for us in the AFL, just on the basis of not only the uh, grand final, but, you know, the the seasons before it, and even going back to 1997 when we were competing directly with them to make the finals in our first season. Um, you know, I think that that's just, a, it's a good it's a good little match to um, have your 100th game in, I think. Um, and, I, and I guess we've both followed a, a pretty woeful demise since our era of dominance in the um, in the 2000 and early 2000s as well. And we've, we've sort of struggled. I guess we've done a little bit better than what they have, but... Um, yeah, it's been a grind for both the footy clubs. Yeah, well, just keeping in the context of Paul Stewart for a minute, he was drafted in 2006, so he got to see one good season until the grand final, and then the rest of his career has been kind of... Mm. And that's mm. not on him, that's on Port, you know. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. Look, out of clients, I think they've come around for different reasons as well, though. I think that's... Um, like Brisbane's decline, I think it's was much, much, much more predictable. And I think that's why they're much, much, much lower as well. Um, like some of the decisions they were making, like when they were doing what an internal review on Michael Voss run by Alistair Lynch, um, you know, uh, when uh, Michael Voss, this is going to be bagging Michael Voss, but Michael Voss uh, had Lee Matthews' assistants around for one year and then he sacked them all and then they went to shit. Um, when, they, when their president said, we're happy for Michael to learn in the role, uh, and it was, I think, a year before Gold Coast was due to come in, um, meaning that they would, you know, Gold Coast would suck up all the draft picks. Uh, it was just a lot of really weird decisions. The fact that back in 2002 they re- pre-sold their catering rights for five years so that they looked like they were profitable very briefly and then they weren't. Mm. Um, there's a lot of things that Brisbane have done wrong to get to where they are right now and a lot of them are ones that really could have been noticed and prevented or at least fixed up by the AFL in the earlier stage considering how much control they've got over the northern states. But, uh, yeah... Anyway, that's enough on that. <laughs> Sorry. But a, I guess, just quickly on Paul Stewart as well, I guess yeah. the other, I guess he's been sort of a victim of, sort of similar to Westhoff in a way, of of being the, the spare parts man. And I think, as I said before, 
Yeah, and we're now getting, we've seen most probably his best season for consistency over the whole year, uh, which is no coincidence, is he's just played permanently down back as a half-back flanker. Yeah, but like even this year, I, I mean, I'm saying he's played his probably one of his best seasons, but even this year, like he's had the unrecoverable flaws in his games exposed multiple times, such as that when he is under pressure, he's not a good thinker. Um you know, when he's got the ball, sorry, and he's under pressure, he's not a good thinker. Like, he's good at getting the ball and all that stuff and all the defensive work, but if he's got the ball and he's like, oh, what am I going to do? Like, he's he's the opposite of Pittard. He just sort of doesn't know what to do. Um, and that's fine. You can have players like that in your side, but you're getting a good team around them. So I, I agree to some extent in that he's maybe, he could have been played as a, you know, a vanilla halfback flanker his whole career, but uh, I don't know how much you really need them, Rick, um, or how hard they are to get. Ah, oh, yeah, but you got to have a bit of romance and sport, Porsche, don't you? Look, I don't agree, but that's right. that's okay. Um, just on, you know, he's playing his 100th game. This is his 10th season, so that means he's played about 10 games a year for us. That's about possible. right. Yeah, which, you know, for a 10-game play for a 10-season player, like, it's, I don't think he had any, you know, I don't think he's had, like, two or three seasons out with, you know, knee reconstructions or anything like that. Like, that's just really pretty much form, you know. Um, mm. and probably, I think, a suspension or two. So it's a little bit disappointing, but, um, oh, well, there you go. He's got his 100th up. Good personal achievement, and yeah, it'll give the game a little bit, a little bit of something to win for, I suppose. It'll be good. He's obviously a well-liked player at the club, so that's very nice. Yep. Yeah. All right, moving along. Um, very brief little note, which I guess we'll discuss in a couple of weeks' time, but um, the AFL has fast-tracked the Indigenous and Multicultural Academies to be active as of this year, um, and they're going to be effectively available as Category B rookies, which means it's basically the same as when you pick up guys like, um, oh, what's the name of the Irish guy that we had? I can picture him in my eye, but oh, I can't yeah. remember what was his name. Anyway, Flynn. Flynn, Daniel Flynn. Thank you. Yeah, it's like Daniel Flynn. So if they go undrafted, then we can just add them straight to the rookie list, which is nice. So uh, they've got until, the club's got till August the fifteenth to name the players they'd like to put in this category or potentially selectable players. And I guess we'll find out if there are any. It'll be interesting to see. Um, remembering we get, I think, the Air Peninsula and Nord zones for multicultural and indigenous recruits. So that's pretty good. Mm. Um, now the next one is something I just I thought I feel like this time of year reading the articles that are coming out for the terrible clubs it feels like it's coach sacking season's about to start so I just thought we could discuss that briefly Um, and I've just done a little bit of research on I suppose the five candidates uh, that I think are the most likely and the funny thing is I think they're all contracted for another year so I don't know that it will be coach sacking season after all um, the one that really made me want to talk about this is Damien Hardwick, who today, I believe, apologised for his comments on Dustin Martin's performance on the weekend, uh, where Dustin Martin got 39 possessions, 10 clearances, and Hardwick said he was not that good today. Um, but now he's been by required by someone to withdraw those remarks, uh, which is really a classic sign of the tail wagging the dog. Um, but Dimmer's contracted till the end of 2018. How safe do you think he is? <coughs> well, it is Richmond, but... I guess why is it that if the coach isn't happy with the performance, even if the... Because, I mean, stats doesn't always say any everything. I mean, he should be entitled to say whatever he likes. Absolutely. I, I don't know. I heard radio commentary after that game where um, some journo didn't put um, Dustin Martin in the top three players and he was getting bagged as well. And I... <laughs> Uh, Matt, Matt Richardson I was on it going, oh, you know, how can you get 39 per possessions and, you know, and, and some ridiculous amount of kicks and, and not be in the best players? Because I guess if you burn the ball every second time, what's the use of uh, getting 40 possessions? But, yeah, I think, look, I don't know. I guess it depends how big his contract is and who's uh, who's around. I guess they might be looking at, you know, the great Bomber Thompson perhaps and uh, maybe uh, Damien will have to go. Well, it's an interesting little thing to that, which is that the other four people, other four coaches that I think are up for potentially the chop, all of their contracts expire at the end of next year. And I think that next year is going to be a massive cull or in swap around, you know, like we had one a few years ago, um, but I think this next year might be. So the next one on my list is Nathan Buckley. Uh, his contract was extended in March until the end of next year, uh, which was very generous of Collingwood. He would have to be right on the chop right now. What do you think? Uh, yeah, look, he's grossly under, well, has he grossly underperformed or is he just underperformed? He's going in a downward trajectory though, isn't he? So, you know, Malthouse didn't leave him with a horrendous list and then he's gone and chopped and culled uh, to try and impart his will on the list and 
it hasn't really worked for him, has it? So, I mean, I'd be worried if I was Collingwood. Yeah, well, I mean, there's certainly some few things that you kind of have to query, like I suppose the fact that I think Travis Cloak is contracted for another couple of years still. Um, and I don't, look, you look at the list, and there's some good players there, but it just doesn't look like they're building towards something at this point. Like, not to mm. me, certainly. And I think there's probably a few people that think that, and that's probably why there's a bit of talk about Buckley maybe getting in the top. Yeah. Um, they've got a few. They've got a good a bit of good talent there, but um, you know. Do you reckon? Okay. Do you reckon Charlotte, they would? Do you reckon they'd not? I was going to say, do you reckon they would never appoint a favourite son ever again? No, it's Collingwood. They'll definitely do it again because they are very prone to that kind of hubris. Um, there's no, no doubt. They'll absolutely do that again at some point. But <laughs> next up, they might grab someone else, like a Ross Lyon, depending. Um, and he's the next on my list, Ross Lyon. Um, he's no, he's another, not. Oh, he's not, but I'm putting him here now because I'm going to mention him. Ross Lyon is signed until the end of next year as well. Um, obviously, he's the one guy that we know if he changes clubs, we won't hear about it until it's done. After his little trick with uh, using lawyers to negotiate his contract last time, he moved from St Kilda to Fremantle. Um, look, with Fremantle under the pump like they are and just really losing those players that you sort of felt had maybe one last chance this year, they don't have that chance now. They're going to go. Uh, Pavlich is obviously the most notable one there. Um, you'd have to think that they do for a complete rebuild. And do you think Ross Lyons the guy that's able, capable of doing it? Well, I guess if he's been getting paid a million or a million and a half bucks a year and they're going to have their new super stadiums pretty soon, he um, he might be willing to uh, take it. I read he's a pretty smart character, though. I reckon he'd want another five-year contract. And Mm. I mean, I don't. I don't think they'll turf him. To be honest, I think I think he will stay. But um, yeah. he's a good coach. I mean, if you said oh, Ross Lyon can come to Port, you know, I'd be very, very tempted. Yeah, well, it'd be interesting, um, and I think that Collingwood would certainly be a team that would look at him because of his proven track record, uh, at least making competitive sides. You know, I think that's pretty important to them. Um, but Richmond might do so for the same reasons. But um, either way, he's unlikely to come out. I don't think he's likely to get sacked this year in the end, not with the extra year on the contract, unless they do a deal like I think it was that um, Adelaide and Geelong did to get Gary Ayres to Adelaide um, when he was still under contract. Um, I guess we'll find out. Now, next on my list, Rick, which is the original third but is now fourth, is Justin Lefich, of course, who we go up against this week. Um, He's another guy that's had his contract extended in March until the end of next year. What do you think his chances are? Mm, No, I reckon he's safe. They're just a rabble. I don't think yeah. they. Could, I don't think they can probably attract anyone else or afford anybody else. And I think he's been dealt a pretty shit card too. Sort of, sort of similar to like Matthew Primus in a way. And uh, you know, but I guess we just made the hard call regardless. And I'm not sure uh, if Brisbane will. I reckon he'll get. I'll probably, I reckon he'll, he'll eke out another year. Yeah, yeah. Look, I think that he will, and I don't think it's for good reasons. I think it's just because it's how Brisbane are still running. They haven't had that wake-up call that they can't keep doing things like this. Um, they can't keep hiring their favourite sons and hoping for a miracle because it's it's not going to work, you know. Um, and I suppose the last one, this is one is one that I think should go, and that he should go this year, and it's Rodney Eid um, at Gold Coast. Really? Um, it's been, well, this is, in, this is his second year, and can you say that Gold Coast are better in any respect than they were when he came? Uh, do you think that, again, there's a bit of uh, uh, misfortune through injuries for, for Rodney? Uh, no. No? <laughs> no, not really. I mean, it's certainly a factor, but I don't know. Like anything, Can you see anything in the way they're playing that makes it that you'd think, oh, yeah, there's improvement there? Can I, I be honest? Think, yeah. Uh, I don't really watch Gold Coast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I can't really comment to tell you if... Um, That's fine. If the, yeah, have they got a back... Do, you, this, do they have a game plan that's noticeable? No, I don't think so. Now, admittedly, yeah, injuries are a part of it, but I don't know. Like we heard that Charlie Dixon was a terrible influence and all that stuff last year and I don't know. He's come out and he's actually... You know, he's not been brilliant, but he's had an okay season with us. Um, well, he's been disciplined. Yeah, absolutely. He's absolutely he's been pretty disciplined. So, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I just don't. I don't think they're going anywhere with him. But he is another one that might just hang on for another year until the big coach clean out of next year, and they can maybe get someone experienced that hasn't that didn't have their good year in nineteen ninety six. I know. I noticed you um, didn't have Ken Hinckley on the list. Well, no, because he's contracted for two more years, and we've already sort of discussed him a bit. But yeah. 
So do you do you think crap year next year they would consider turfing him? Yeah, yeah, I do. Which would be bad if uh, if there's going to be this massive coach exodus. Well, not necessarily. Depends on who we target, and I think also like just come, looking at the new coaches coming in. I think that like you look at the assistants. Um, we talked about them, or Macca and I talked about them. I think it was either Monday or last week. Uh, and you look at them, and you sort of think, mm, I don't know. I'd like to see them another year and see if they can have the same impact on their club that they're at right now. So I, I think that next year is a good one. Um, look, Mick Harrison's made a comment on Spreaker Chat saying that Hinkley should be under more stress than Ede, to be honest, which is probably fair. Um, if only because Ede's only had a couple of years. Uh, obviously, Ede has got the longer total coaching track record. And like I said, his last really good season was 1996. Um, but yeah, that's fair enough. Uh, I, I, had a, I heard a rumour. I heard a rumour that two assistant coaches were going to get a tap on the shoulder at the end of the season. Only two? <laughs> yeah, only two. So Nixon boss, right? Well, I don't know. I wasn't told no. Oh, okay, right, okay. But, um, but yeah, I'm just, I thought you might like it. I mean, it might be a bogus rumour. It wasn't a cre- it wasn't an official source, so to speak, because if it was, I probably wouldn't say anything. Um, so, uh, yeah, but nonetheless, interesting. And I guess it seems pretty logical with our performance anyway, doesn't it? Yeah, that, yeah. But that could be uh, the case. So, uh, But I would have thought, yes, that Nicks and Voss would be the prime candidates. I know Voss is the whipping boy. Well, what do you think? Is he a whipping boy of yours as well? Uh, look, it's hard to say because we don't know how much impact he has. If he's been the mastermind behind Trangove, maybe we're being extremely unfair, you know? Um, so it's, hard, it's, really, it's really hard to say. It's really hard to say. Um, yeah. we, don't, we don't know. All I, all, all I would be going on if I was being critical of Voss is his pre-Port Adelaide career where he made big mistakes that could be seen from the outside. Um, you know, like getting Favola and you know all the other ones I mentioned earlier. Um, but as an assistant coach, it's look, it's really hard to say. I'm sure that I'm sure the players, if you spoke to any of them, they'd all sing his praises. But that doesn't really mean a lot um, when I suppose you're making the decision for the club. So I, I don't know. Um, I'd also think Sean Hart might be on that list potentially as well, um, particularly if they're looking at replacing or getting more strategic people in, because I'm not sure that he is offering that as much as mm. moral support. Well, I, I guess Sean Hart, I don't know really what the role is. You know? I mean, is it, like you said, I mean, is it, are we better off with a Sean Hart where we, he's an unknown in what he's doing or are we better off um, replacing that role with his, like his funds, whatever he's being paid, I've got no idea, and uh, replacing that with a, targeting a strategic coach, some well, sort of strategy coach. Look, Rick, um, this is really this is a business question for you, basically, which is that when you're recruiting a role like a director of coaching, would you rather have the role based on key performance indicators or based on team performance? Uh, well, it'd be on key performance indicators. Yeah, right. So that would mean that we'd probably want to go for the strategy person because at least you can kind of measure it or assess yeah. it. Whereas when you're mostly providing sort of vague direction and moral support, which is the impression I've got of Sean Hart at every stage, um, it's very hard to measure that. So, well, I thought I would have thought Ken's role is more that director of coaching anyway, yeah, and then he empowers the assistants underneath him to to implement a lot of the work, and then obviously he probably just takes charge on um, on match day. Uh, so, and I think that might be sort of his go because um, if you listen to the podcast that I did today, little plug. Um, for the business podcast, we talk about the visionary person in business. So to me, Ken, Ken's that um, that visionary person, that inspirational leader. Um, I'm, not, I'm not overly convinced that he's the, 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 in the trenches uh, fundamentally clued in tactician. So, yeah, if, if it was my business and I had my business hat on, and obviously there's a lot of theory assumptions here because I don't know wages and full job descriptions or whatever we want to call it, uh, scorecards. Um, yeah, I would be replacing uh, Sean Hart, definitely. I think he's excess to needs and putting a, um, 
putting a targeting a strategic or person such as you know your Richardson, obviously he's got a job, or your Lee Tudor, or or apparently McCartney's been spoken to as well. Okay, fair enough. That's the rumor. Okay, all right. Well, look, Rick, I've got a quick question for you. Are you logged into Spreaker chat right now? Uh, no. Okay, that's fine. Um, and do you have the Brisbane First Twenty Two currently open? Uh, yes. No, 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 no. Close it. Close it. Don't have it open. No, I don't. Why do, do I not... do I have to have Spreaker open? No, no, you don't have to have neither of them open because I'm going to give you a quiz, Rick. Uh, and it really it le- it relates. To, this is a surprise for you because it's not on the rundown. Um, it, it relates to a comment we had before the um, podcast where I said I don't reckon I could name five Brisbane players properly uh, off the top of my head without looking at a sheet. And so I've got a quiz for you, Rick. Sure. 14 names. You have to tell me if the player I name is named in the current Brisbane 22. Okay? Right. You can play this at home. Uh, and there's a second prize, which is if you can guess where all of the other names come from, you get you know, uh, five points. Okay. It's 14 names. Okay. So am I playing? Am I playing to the listeners that are on the chat at the moment? Is that no, me? no, no. You're playing by yourself, and listeners on the chat can have a go, or they can people listening to the podcast can have a go at home. That's fine. So look, I'll start off. Is Harris Andrews a member of the current Brisbane Twenty Two? <laughs> can I pass? Uh, Harris Harris Andrews. Mm, yes no. or no? No. Incorrect. He is a member of the current <laughs> Brisbane Twenty Two. Jared Jansen, is he a current member of the Brisbane 22? Yes. Correct. Yeah. He is a current member of the Brisbane 22. I think he was recruited last year, I reckon, wasn't he? I can't recall. Josh Josh Green, is he a member of the current Brisbane 22? I reckon this is a trick question. I'm going to say he's on the list, but I don't think he's in the 22. He is in the 22 this week. So you're incorrect. Tricked me. Yeah. The next one, Kerry Marnie, is he on the current Brisbane 22? Isn't he running like in the US presidential election or something? <laughs> no, no, he isn't. No, he isn't correct. He is not. Yes. Carl Proctor, is he in the current Brisbane 22? Uh, yes. Incorrect. Damn it. Archie Smith, is he in the current Brisbane 22? I got no idea. Yeah, I reckon he is. He is. He's a new first game player. Mitch Robin Mitch Robinson, is he in the current Brisbane twenty two? Of course he is. They recruited him. Okay. This is, they're not all hard. Um <laughs> Ernie Ernie Mouser, is he in the current Brisbane twenty two? Who's that? Is he in the current <coughs> Brisbane twenty two? What's his name? I've never heard of him before. Ernie Mouser. Uh I'm gonna go yes as a random ball. Incorrect. He is not in the Brisbane twenty two. Damn it. Chad is Copeland. It, is he an Indigenous player? It sounds like an Indigenous name. <laughs> we'll continue on. Chad okay. Copeland, is he a current player in the Brisbane 22? Uh, no. Correct, he is not. <laughs> Nicholas yep. Robertson, is he a player in the current Brisbane 22? Of course, because he's Mitch's brother and they've got to play together. Okay. He's in the current 22, but he's Robertson, not Robinson. <laughs> Uh, Eric Lassard, is he in the current Brisbane 22? Uh, yeah. Incorrect. He is not in the current Brisbane 22. Are you trying Are you trying to just expose my lack of knowledge of... Uh, no, this is fine. <laughs> Eric, Eric Kipford, is he a current Brisbane player in the 22? Yeah, of course he is. Correct. He's a great player, superstar coming up. Dane Zorko, is he a current player in the 22 for Brisbane? Interesting. I would normally say yes, but I'm thinking that he might be injured. So, so no. No? Okay. Uh, you're incorrect. He's in the Brisbane 22. Zed McGlunk, is he in the Brisbane 22? Yes. Incorrect. Because they've got some funky names on their list. And Eugene Tackleberry, is he in the current Brisbane 22? I hope so, because that's an awesome name. He is not. So, just for reference, all of the names that are not in the current Brisbane 22 are not other Brisbane players. They are all characters from the Police Academy films. <laughs> and you managed, you got eight correct out of 14, so you did all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. I thought some of those names were a bit random. But, yeah, uh... well, I, I admit I said two of them the Australian way, just so they blend in. So, the first one was Kerry Marnie, which is, of course, Kerry Mahoney, who is Steve Gutenberg's uh-huh. character. 
Uh-huh. I'd, uh, yeah, I probably wouldn't have picked up on the trick, to be honest. Yeah. But, uh, uh, Carl Pro- I'll go through the others. Carl Proctor, who was an offsider to Captain Harris, and he was the guy that always ended up at the Blue Oyster Bar. Oh, yes. Um, Ernie Mauser was a captain in uh, Police Academy 2 and 3. Chad Copeland was a cadet in the first one and later became a sergeant. Eric Lassard, also known as Eric Lassard, also known as Commandant Eric Lassard, who is the big boss of the Police Academy. Zed McGlunk is the name of Bobcat Goldthwaite's character in Police Academy. And Eugene Tackleberry, he is the gun nut. He's in, I think, in yes. every Police Academy film. Yes, so there you go. Now, now that you've said where they're from, Tackleberry I definitely remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah I've yeah. got to say, I put the really easy ones at the end and you got both of them wrong, so that was kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, what could I say? Uh, I don't remember my um, my police academy that well. It's a bit disappointing. We've got a good comment from Mick Harrison here, which is, let's be honest, a bloke like Eugene from the police academy films could slot into the forward pocket this week and kick three against us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hope not, but yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> Anyway, let's All right. continue on. We'll move along. We'll move along to the last time they met, which is earlier this year. Um, it's a good one to talk about because we smashed them, so that's nice. Um, mm. Port Adelaide, 21 goals, 10, 136. Defeated Brisbane, 7 goals, 17, 59 for a 77-point margin. Uh, Brisbane actually led at the end of the first quarter by 9 points. Uh, but in the second quarter, we kicked 7 goals to 1 and led by 29. In the third quarter, we kicked 4 goals to 0 goals, 7. Uh, and in the final quarter, we kicked seven goals to Brisbane's 2.4, which is how we had an absolutely mammoth win. Um, Brisbane Lions, seven goals, 17 points is pretty atrocious accuracy. Um, but I think the most notable thing about this game is this was the first time we saw Trengove as Ruckman um, playing the way he currently is, which I think is very interesting because I think that Brisbane selections this week have been informed by that. Um, in this game, Stefan Martin had 51 hitouts to Trengo's 14, but Trengo came away with a, a massive 13 clearances and 25 disposals. Um, Rick, what do you remember about this game? Jay, I guess for me, the biggest observation I got out of this game was it actually was a warning uh, game for me because uh, watching it, I, I was actually concerned that I didn't think we actually had... Um, a proper system or process in place. So even though we were winning quite convincingly against Brisbane, um, I actually thought their structure was better than ours. They just couldn't execute properly. And I I just thought that ours was still a bit hodgepodge and all over the place. And I guess that's continued on throughout the year. So um, that was... So the scoreline sort of masked... um, that actual influence for me. So, uh, I mean, I'll take a win, and I enjoyed the win. But yeah, you could. You, we didn't have the line structure in our zones, and it could be that we were still trying to uh, get familiar with what Nathan, Nathan Bassett was trying to do. But yeah, it just yeah, we seemed to be disjointed and, and over the place. But obviously, Brisbane sucked that badly that we we got away with it. Yeah, look, I mean, obviously when you change the ruck setup completely to have Trengo playing the way he did, it obviously changes how you play as a team. Um, I think the main thing, like, that you talk about how they had, like, a structure. I mean, this is actually, if you look at our forwards goals, um, like Charlie Dixon kicked five, Westhoff, Wingard and Young kicked three each. Um, like, those are the forwards you really want popping up and kicking those sorts of scores under an ideal setup. So the fact that we managed to do that was kind of surprising. And I, I guess it probably does speak to how bad Brisbane are right now, um, which is a fair enough comment. Um, yeah, uh, Dane Zorko was the only multiple goal kicker for Brisbane, um, and Ben Keyes was the main culprit for inaccuracy, kicking zero goals for for the match. Um, I will point out, you know, yeah. Jackson was fantastic that game. He and was phenomenal. He was, and uh, yeah, the the love affair of Jackson being a part time ruckman is still going well for me. I think I think he's great. I mean, yeah, can't be full time, um, obviously. Paddy Paddy will sort that out. I guess the risk is, as Craig says, um, you know, will he be able to, you know, the concern of having a year off and how he's going to perform and all that sort of stuff. But, <laughs> yeah, for me, uh, I'd love to see Jackson as the number two ruck supporting Paddy Ryder. Yeah, look, um, I think that would probably be a pretty good way to go, particularly given that if Paddy's killing it, then Jackson can play another role really well. So I think that we're going to see more um, demand that any ruckman be able to play a key position as well going forward. Yeah. Um, and certainly we should be recruiting on that basis. Sure. 
So I got some questions for you with the ins oh, and outs. Did okay, you, we'll, uh, we'll announce the we'll announce the other ins and outs first, I suppose, so people know. Um, yeah. In this week, Carl Amon and Nathan Cracker, and out are Kane Mitchell and Jay Schultz. The bench named is Paul Stewart, which is again a bit rough in his hundredth game. Carl Amon, Brendan Archie, and Nathan Cracker. So it's a pretty, pretty. It's not really. There's no key position players on that bench. So Rick, what was your question first? Schultz and Mitchell is a yeah. time. Does this mean time over? Look, I kind of think it might. Um, when the, the season's over, yeah, it is. So the honeymoon's gone. What do you reckon? The timing says that you're moving on, doesn't it? Like it could be. It could be. For as far as Schultz is concerned, it could be that they're expecting it to be a rainstorm at the Gabba or God knows what. Um, I didn't look up the weather before this. Um, and so, you know, it's not unusual for Schultz to travel, not travel in games where the weather looks like it's going to be awful. Um, but given, like, those two names in particular have come out out of all the names, like, those are two of the players that you would say are very much on retirement row, not because necessarily a bad form uh, in general, but because they just look like they're a little bit past it. Uh yeah, I think, it, I think it might be it. What do you think, Rick? Yeah, well, that's how I'm seeing it, I guess. You know, obviously, we're not going to make it. So, um, you know, let's start having an eye for the future. Uh, I guess I'm a little bit... I don't mind Carl coming back in. I thought he was a little bit unlucky to get dropped anyway. But yeah. um, I would have liked to have seen Palmer get an opportunity. I thought he's been pretty strong in the, uh, in the Magpies team. So... That would have, uh, yeah, but maybe they're going to do that over a slow phase or something. I don't know, but um, yeah, maybe Paul Stewart plays this game and then he'll be dropped and Palmer gets an opportunity, perhaps. Yeah, well, um, Jimmy Beercans on Speaker Chat has said it's curtains for Mitchells and Schultz may get back for a farewell game, and it wouldn't surprise me if we did see a farewell game where a few names were in and then disappeared. Um, in regards to Palmer, like he could be the sort of guy that might come in for a home game because usually when you play a new player it is good to play them in a home game just because it's a bit easier and all that sort of stuff mm. um i kind of think the ins this week like these were two ins this week that i thought last week they were mistakes to not have in um like for me aimon and cracker should have been automatically in that first 22 uh so i don't know i think it feels in that respect it feels more like a correction on a mistake made last week but there we are yeah um, the next question and this is obviously the big one um and we'll, I'll just sort of tie in Fringe Force 5 into this one because John Butcher is our player this week. Butcher is the only key forward named in the side. Butcher. John Butcher. He gets the whole key forwardness to himself. How do we feel about that, Rick? The Butch. Mm. Yeah. I didn't I didn't think he was that bad last week. He contested. And, yeah, um, yeah I mean, it was horrendous conditions for a key forward. Um, yeah, he there was a couple. A lot. Pardon? He lost, he lost awareness of the ball a few times. Yeah, he did, and I mean, look—if you're being hypercritical, there was oh, yeah, a couple of times he he sort of you know, like well, I was down the southern end, you know, he probably could have used his body to take the ball instead of putting his hands out, you know, and not using his body to protect him the fall of the ball and stuff. But yeah, you know, I, I guess it'll be interesting to see again um, the run of the play and what happens. But um, yeah, oh look, does it really matter? Now, to be honest, <laughs> look, um, it doesn't really matter, but it is interesting um, as far as our team structure. Um, yeah, I don't know, but I think in Brisbane, they've really—it's really hard. I mean, it's really hard to predict their setup, but they just don't seem very good. Um, we've got a couple of comments on Spreaker chat. Um, Mick Harrison saying he doesn't understand why he dropped Jay Butcher. Will have to take on about three defenders this week, which is probably accurate. Um, and Jimmy Beerkans has said it's now or never. La la, sing it for Butch. So there you go. Well, we still got West off. He's key forward, right? Is he? Um, I, I, don't, I don't know. I never say he is, but I suppose he could be in this sort of game against these sort of opponents. Yeah, and, um, it's, and let's face it, this is the sort of team that he'll probably kick four or five goals and, and look awesome against. Yeah, he'll look quite possibly. Um, or maybe not. Well, I guess we'll find out. Um, I guess we'll look at the Brisbane Lions sort of briefly because I suppose you know there's a lot of names there as we just sort of discovered that are not very familiar. Um, the squad changes, they've got ins for is Lewis Taylor, Michael Close, Archie Smith, Nicholas Robertson, Sam Skinner. Uh, out to Darcy Gardner, Rowan Buick, Josh Shackey, Stefan Martin and Reuben William. Uh, and so that's not, like I suppose as far as Brisbane, it's close to saying there's a few senior players out for Brisbane. Mm. 
Um, the Beard Amigos has asked a very good question related to this. Do we start to worry when Brisbane rest players against us? No, I think they're just in full tank mode, aren't they? I think so. But they uh, they have no interest in winning this game. And I guess, what's your position? Uh, have you do you have an interest in us winning this game? Do you, do you do you have a desire for us to finish ninth, or would you rather us blood a few more juniors? And if we win, a bonus. Or if we lose, well, and we drop down to eleventh or twelfth, well, that's better. Um, I think that dropping guys are going to delist. Uh, is the thing we should be doing right now and playing with whatever's left. Mm. Um, the draft pick difference that we can get from where we are right now is, what, two, maybe three? Um, and that'll be made up for by the fact there'll be 10 billion GWS and Gold Coast and whatever else Academy picks taken before we get a shot anyway. Um, it's like, you know, like happened last year. So I don't think it's worth tanking at this point. We've committed too much to making the finals and now we just have to pretty much suck it up. So we might as well win. Um, and we might as well win by playing the game plan that we intend to play next year. So hopefully, whatever we do, however we win, we are staying true to the system that we intend to use in future, which will be hard, with again, with Butcher as the only key forward in the side um, to really have that sort of setup, unless we're planning to forever only have one key forward, which I would personally hate. Um, I've had a comment from Dylan who wants to complain about the anti-Butcher sentiment on this pod for not reading out his pro-Butch comment. For reference, his pro butch comment was now and forever for butcher cha cha. <laughs> ah, Dylan, you're a legend. Uh, hey, anti butcher. I think we're the biggest pro butcher camp anywhere. I mean, uh, we we end every show going butcher. I I kind of think that we are butcher supporters in the same way the American media are Trump supporters in that a lot of the time they're just talking about it because it's a controversial thing that's happening um, without realising they're actually promoting them at the same time. So I, I feel it's a similar sort of thing. Like, I don't talk about Butcher because he's going to be an amazing person but because everyone's always like, Butcher, 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 and I'm like, Butcher, Butcher, Butcher. Uh, and it just goes from there. As Dylan has said, Porsche hates the Butcher, which is a bit extreme, but there you go. You don't hate anybody, do you, Porsche? No, not really. A random fact, my son's a Butcher. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Fantastic. Third year apprentice. Oh, excellent. Oh, okay, apprentice. Yeah, all right, good. Hasn't chopped, hasn't chopped a finger off yet. It's gone close. Oh, so you get the master butcher when you chop your finger off, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Usually it's your thumb, isn't it? You have half a thumb or... Oh. <laughs> well, there's a funny story. When I, when I moved to the hills in 2011, yeah. um, he decided to do the... The, the family a favour while we're working back late in tax season and it was cold, yeah. he, um, he wanted to chop some wood for us. So he decided to chop wood under the house in his thongs and nearly chopped his <laughs> uh, good Good ock health and safety there. And then obviously the mother-in-law's there and uh, abuses the crap out of me for <laughs> allowing, allowing my son to chop wood in thongs. And I'm like... How the frig would I know? I was bloody at work. He never even asked me if he could do it. Oh, and uh, Peanut, Tyler, but I still love you. He, he's still got his big toe. But anyway, <laughs> Good. there you go. There's my random story. All right. And we've just got a couple <laughs> of comments on Spreaker Chat. Um, Mick Harrison said, watch Westy drop back and cut off every quick Brisbane kick going forward. Surely Hartlett will go to the guts this week. Um, I kind of think that Hartlett will get to get all those easy ones after his game last week. Um, Jimmy Beerkans has said he wants to see at least a few set shots with improved technique and improved technique is in quotation marks because I guess mm. that means we're not thinking it's going to be improved yeah. well uh, we didn't get to yeah. tell that last week did we no not really not did he really. kick the ball did he get a kick who butcher oh I think he got a yeah he did, I think he had a couple of assists which was actually pretty good there was one kick he actually really nailed as an assist but as far as goals I don't think he got a goal no right Mm. All right, look, um, the next question we have is from Needs Gravy. With Martin being rested, have we missed an ideal opportunity to play Frampton? I think yes. Yes, I agree. Okay. Um, Dylan8 has asked, will Hartlett turn into a Jarrett Waite tier meme figure? Which I didn't understand that question, uh, which makes me feel old. Um, Dylan then clarified that he means, I think is what he means, that everyone thinks it will be a breakout year for him every year. Um which is probably, I think that's probably about accurate for Hartlett. Um, the person I was actually thinking about comparing him to was probably like Nick Holland and Ben Holland, where every, you know, they were constantly 
players that were in threatening to be homesick and go home, and they got huge contracts they never really lived up to. And it feels, I don't know, maybe Hartlett's got the same agent. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah. All right. Well, look, we'll get to the big one, which I think is interesting because it's a little bit understated, and we think it's Brisbane trying to surrender, but I think it's actually Brisbane trying to compete, and that is the Ruck matchup this week. Um, so, obviously, Stefan Martin's out. Uh, and they've named a first gamer, Archie Smith, uh, in Ruck, directly opposed to Jackson Trengove. Now, this is an actually a really interesting matchup. Um, Archie Smith was late to football. He only started playing AFL at age 17. He was a junior basketballer before that. He's over two, two metres tall. He's 201 centimetres. Um, he had, I think he scored very highly in the leap in the draft camp in his year. Um, and those are the two things, that genuine height combined with being a leaping player, as something that Trengove will probably has a bit more of a weakness to. And then if you add also on top of that the fact that he's a kid in his first game and he'll have a lot of enthusiasm and hopefully a lot of fitness for him, hopefully for him, not for us, um, you'd think that actually is probably a pretty astute matchup from Brisbane. And I think this kind of ties into the fact that this is the Brisbane is the first team that we've had Trengove as Ruck in the current capacity. This is the first team we've played twice with that setup. Uh, and they've clearly made a pretty huge change in that regard because um, Stefan Martin, they didn't even pretend he was injured, they just said rested. Um, mm. And I think they brought in um, yeah Sam Skinner as well. He's on a first game. He's a 197-centimetre key position defender slash ruck, so he'll probably alternate in there. Um, yeah, I think this is I think this is a matchup that um, has been tailored to Trengo, so it'll be interesting to see how he copes with it and whether the, his experience lets him get the edge on these um, two very raw players. It's a bit of a... Um... It's a bit of a compliment, though, isn't it? That uh, they're they're changing to to suit Jackson. It feels like they are, yeah, absolutely. Um, Which I think it is a compliment, and he should at the very least be pleased with that, Um, as much as I think it'll be a a different kind of challenge to what he's faced and beaten in recent weeks. So, interesting. Don't you think, with all the experience he's had throughout the year, that, that will sort of up his alley a little bit. I, I, don't, I think that's an advantage for us. I think if they had a bit more experience under their belts, it would be an advantage for them. But I agree. I think this early in their career, they'll probably get a few stunts. Um, but I don't think the Brisbane players in midfield will be expecting them to win. Uh, and that'll probably mean that they're just as likely that if they get taps, it'll go to us. But I guess mm. we'll see. Um, midfield is actually worse than the last time we played them. They don't even have Dane Beams this time. Um, forward line... They've dropped Josh Shackey uh, and, uh, oh, yeah, um, <laughs> no Lions player has kicked more than 17 goals this year, which means there isn't a single Lions player that is averaging a goal a game. Um, Do you know, I actually start, I'm starting to feel sorry for a Brisbane supporter. Look, honestly, as much as we have our own little paranoia about Port Adelaide and how we think this is exactly the sort of game we could lose, I think we could be really shit and not lose this game. I, this this is possibly this is probably going to be the worst team I have seen fielded at AFL level, personally, and I think it will be for a lot of people. Now, you do you are aware that we did lose this game last year? Yeah, but they're worse than last year. They're worse than last year. <laughs> they're worse yeah. than earlier this year. So. Uh, and they, they have no desire really to win, do they? No, none at all. So. They have no, they have no motivation to win because if they win, then that puts them within range of dropping from number two pick to number three, and maybe even higher. Um, it's really, it's really. Um, they have no motivation, no motivation to win this one. Apart from they would like a win, I think they probably can afford maybe one more win for the year. So they might decide this is the one they want to have a crack at. Um, I think if they win this game, they'll go equal on points with Fremantle, but Fremantle have a much, much, much better percentage. So I think the Brisbane would retain currently the second pick in the draft if they won this game. So they might actually come fired up, but I just don't think they've got the quality to do it unless we play... Oh, God, I don't know. Like, I reckon we'd have to drop half of our team or have, you know, 10 injuries for us to lose this one. It's just... I don't see how we lose this one. Or mate, mate Michael Voss, head coach. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe. sorry, I couldn't help it. It was just there. Um, in defence, uh, Daniel Merritt is an okay player. Sam Mays will be there, and I guess he'll do stuff. But I don't know. Like, if, if this is if Butcher's going to if Butcher is going to succeed at AFL level at any point, he needs to kick goals this game. I know there was a comment earlier on Spreaker Chat about how he's going to go up against three defenders, but the reality is our forward line will have Butcher and a bunch of smalls running into space. So. 
for Butcher, I think a win this week would be like two goals, but maybe five assists. I think that's the sort of thing we should be looking at. Um, mm. Yeah, so look, I don't. Obviously, we don't know heaps about the team, and I did test you to just confirm it, so there we are. So we'll move along a little bit. Um, we have got one comment from, I'm not going to say his username, please choose a better one in the future. Um, but they say, if we drop 10 players, we'd have our, our backs against the wall and win, which is possible. Um, last week, Mick, Mick Harrison says he saw Butcher crumbing to Wingard in contests up forward. We are more dysfunctional up that end, which is probably fair. And Mick Harrison has also said Butcher has probably played harder defences in the SNFL. Surely he'll do something or see you later, which um, I probably tend to agree with that one. Mm-hmm. Um, game in general, should we be worried about Justin Lepich? We ask this one every week. No. Um, how did we lose to the Brisbane last year? I just don't see it. Does either side have the psychological advantage? Brisbane won two games for the year. They are resting players. Um, even accounting for Port dropping off due to no prospect of finals. I just don't see how we don't absolutely win this one. Um, really. Let's move on. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> I don't... Look, yeah. It's... I don't know. What's the interesting part in this game, really? I guess... Paul Stewart's 100th game? Nah. Brendan Archie, what he can do. I thought yeah, he was lucky but, to get selected. I mean... Whatever what, what he was, does, it's against Brisbane at their worst. But what was his game like last week from on TV? Because I guess for me it was hard... Like sitting right behind the goals, southern end, you sort of miss a lot. So uh, I thought he did a few good things, and his handballs were pretty good. So I mean, but he didn't set the world on fire either, though. No, look. Um, when I was discussing this with Macker, I think Macker was probably a bit more generous than I was, which is that I feel that for a player that last year showed he had some exceptional aspects to his game, they have all gone completely, and he has become a generic midfielder that is not playing well. Um, mm. And I think, that, I'm like, unfortunately, even if he plays well this week, I mean, I'll take no confidence out of that at all because this is a terrible team. So, mm. Mm. all right, uh, we do have a couple of further questions from the forum. Um, here's one for you: Would you rather never be able to speak again, or always have to say everything that is on your mind? Well, I pretty much say everything that's on my mind anyway, so I'll go with the second one. Yeah, look, I mean, I think I mostly would. And if it was 20 years in the future, though, I might go the reverse um, because, in theory, you know, we'll have such excellent interfaces and stuff like that that I'll be able to type or use my eyes to type in text and then have a computer say it. So that would be cheating. Um, (laughs) uh, Next one from Johns also. What does Butcher need to do to keep his spot when Dixon becomes available again, which hopefully will be next week? What do you think? What, what are we expecting from Butcher this week? Uh, look, I would hope that we play... Well, actually, no. I was going to say I'd hope we play Butcher for the rest of the year. Nah. Uh, but I, I hope we play Butcher to the point where they've decided that they don't want him on the list anymore. Okay. So if he keeps playing, obviously <laughs> there's still a spot for him on the list. Yeah. But what do you expect? Well, like, if you, were, had, if you personally, Rick, had to set the performance measure for this week's game um, to stay in the team, what would you what would you expect? Well, I think if he competes and brings the ball down to the ground for the crummers to do their stuff, well, then he's done his role in the team and he deserves to keep his spot. I'd much rather say I would prefer him to play like a key forward and take 10 marks with good delivery on the assumption that that's what he gets and kicks three, three or four goals and handballs a couple off and uh, and he's played like a real key forward. I, it makes me cringe every time Ken Hinckley now says he wants the key forwards to bring the ball to ground. I mean, for crying out loud, I want the key forwards to mark the bloody ball and kick goals. That's what I want. Yeah, yeah. Is that is that a fair call? Um, it's a fair call, but we don't have the key forwards that do that apart from Schultz, and he's not playing, obviously. So. Well, Dixon should. He's 202 centimetres and gets his hand on the ball. Yeah, Look, I guess if the coach is giving his instructions, then he's been doing them really well. Yeah. Well, I'm with Dicker. I reckon he's just getting his hands on the ball and going, oh, I have to get it to ground, so I'll just drop it now. Yeah, no, fair enough. Yeah. All right. Um, Look, we'll move along. Um, Very briefly discuss the Magpies game, and mostly because it's against the Crows Reserves, the Calves. Um, Sunday, uh, the 31st of July at 1.40pm. Uh, it's at Alberton, so it'll be interesting to see if we can see Crows fans criticised for not travelling to opposition grounds. Mm-hmm. Um, they're currently fourth and ladder, we're sixth. 
Um, do you think there's any real chance of win? How enthused are you about this game? I'm not enthused about it, but I am enthused about giving shit to Crows fans for not turning up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, look, I think, we're, I think we're a good chance to win. I think we're getting some good form. Mm. Uh, you know, we've lost a couple of players, I guess, but yeah. but yeah, I think the way they're playing, we should still be a chance. Yeah, hopefully. Um, yeah, hopefully. Yeah. I guess we'll see. Anyway, that was the brief part. Um, we've got so, one quick question. Go Maggie's, yeah. Yeah, go Maggie's. One quick question from Mick Harrison. <laughs> um, we have discussed this one a couple of weeks or a couple of podcasts ago, uh, so I'll tell you this one at you, Rick, because you didn't answer it. What are Darren Burgess's KPIs? How many players have had soft tissue injuries and injuries whilst they are meant to be resting? Are our players overtrained? Uh, well, that's the uh, Jason Akamanis uh, message. Hmm. Um, but uh, Darren Burgess doesn't believe so. He thinks they can train harder. I, well, and I think Mac sort of pulled me up on it too because I sort of intimated it, and um, and I guess. I think his argument's right. We've had a few impact injuries. Um, You know, there's been a couple. We've had two injuries. Well, is it two? Two players recently that have got injured coming back from an injury. Jack Honch is one. Mm. Um, But, look, I guess every department needs to be reviewed and uh, Darren Burgess's would be no different. I guess we have underperformed there and heaven forbid the bloody... Brett Burton's at the Crows, isn't he? I don't recall. I thought he, I thought he was at the Crows, but anyway, he's um, he's uh, he's done a great job. So I hate <laughs> to say it, I want to vomit, but um, yeah. So I guess we it's under. I would put it under review. It's not saying that I would sack it, but I would want to be asking the questions of why, what's going on. Yeah, well, look, I mean, there was a post during the week, and it might have been a Russell Ebert handball one, I think. I can't remember what it was someone um, saying actually what the injuries were that we've had this year, and they were just all kinds of different injuries. Like, they weren't soft tissue injuries. There was, like, you know, White's pectoral muscle and a bunch of other things like that. So it's a bit... Uh, yeah, I, I don't think I don't think that's the thing you can point to to say Burgess isn't doing no. well. I think if you're going to have a crack at Burgess, it might be about when we are peaking in the season and when we're peaking in games. But um, yeah. that's impacted well, by a lot of other things as well. You're right. You can't you can't blame Burgess for Wyatt. You can't blame Burgess for Dixon recently. You, no, no. Um, can you blame Burgess for Jonas and Homsch? You know, coming coming back from a layoff. I don't know. Maybe. Um, you know. So look, I, I guess the the lethargy is probably the worry, and I guess that's where J- Jason Akamanis was saying in the preseason that it's unsustainable. They burn out and blah blah blah. So the Pratt maybe was right. Yeah, you know, um, maybe the uh, maybe they are burnout. Maybe the the couple of years um, of drilling that they got was too much. I don't know. Yeah, I'm inclined to say no, but that's okay. Yeah, um, I, look, I'm not saying that it's true, but I <laughs> yeah, guess yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, and Mick Harrison's confirmed that Burton is their exercise science head. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and also the other news that came out today is that Homsch and Carlisle are both off for surgery, so they're confirmed out for the rest of the season, which, I mean, I guess that, again, we recognise that we're not playing finals this year. What's the point? Well, yeah. I think it's all over for Carlisle anyway, isn't it? I reckon I Logan, so. Austin's, Logan Austin's been great, and I think I'd rather watch Logan Austin play next year, no disrespect Hosh, yeah, to Bobby. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, and, uh, and, and watch him develop. I think he's been great. Yeah, well, I mean, Bobby Carlisle, he's in his 11th season this year, uh, drafted in 2005. So he's had a pretty good run, um, and I guess we would have really expected him to be at this point that he's at right now, by now. So I think the yeah, um, Jimmy B. Kansas said, yes, it's Q in rack for him, I would agree. Uh, and Dylan said, I've said, I've said it as well, Carlisle to the rookie list, potentially, maybe, depending on how he goes with his surgery and if he can be bothered training. Um, but yeah. if we don't have the next year, I mean, I think we'll cope. So we'll see how it goes. Awesome. Um, all right. Well, we'll just start wrapping up um, and going to the final things. Uh, I think we both think Brisbane are going to lose horribly and that we're going to win massively. Yes. So, Rick, what is your winning side and margin and who is your highest goal kicker for Port Adelaide? 97 points and the Butch with five goals. I'm going to go 108 points. And I'm going to say our highest goal kicker will be Aaron Young with four. No, five. Aaron Young with five. 
um, who's your immediate for Port Adelaide? So this is the person that not really in great form, but maybe they're going to pop up and have an amazing the game. The Arch. Yeah. I reckon he's going to get a fair run in the midfield and um, he's going to bust a, bust a football with a handball. I'm going to go with Carl Amon. Um, I reckon he'll kick probably four. Um, and that's basically because I just don't think Brisbane have anyone that will bother going with him. So he'll have a field day. He'll just be in free space all game, I reckon. Um, and your immediate for Brisbane, if you can name one. Tackleberry. I'm going to go with Archie Smith because of the ruck duel we mentioned earlier. I think he could be the one that upsets Trengo potentially. So um, I guess we'll see. Uh, and lastly, you bet the house. Who's you bet the house this week? Uh, rightio. I'm going to go bet the house that Hamish Hartlett has a blinder. No, I'm going to actually, I'm going to go Hamish Hartlett and Justin Westoff are both going to have a blinder um, because they're both flat trap bullies. Yeah, fair enough. I am going to go with Brisbane won't kick more than 40 points. <sighs> nice one. <laughs> I think so. And what's this last thing on the run sheet? Um, I don't know. Can you can you read it out for me and tell me a little about it, Rick? Well, you've got the Five Percent to Greatness podcast. Yeah, what is that? Do you know what it is? Yeah, I know what, what it? it is. What is it? Can you? So I get is that? Do I get a bit of a self promotion? Do I? Yeah. So yeah. So that's that's my business podcast that I created. So I'm part of the uh, uh, the Entrepreneurs Organization, and I'm doing that course. As you know, I'm doing that course in Boston, and I've just done the first mm-hmm. year and. And so I've been able to get access to a lot of great business people and a lot of great speakers, uh, like business speakers, and um, and a lot of them have offered to uh, support me in a business podcast quest. So um, I created the 5% to Greatness, and I guess the reason it's called 5% to Greatness is because part of the EO philosophy is getting to the 5% of people's uh, happiness or or non-happiness in business or personal issues. So it's about trying to dig deep in the uh, in the podcast and and get stuff out of people. So um, I did Violet a couple of weeks ago, um, and I interviewed Brian Brolt today. He is the global chair incumbent for EO, which has got fourteen thousand members. What's EO? Um, uh, Entrepreneurs Organisation. Okay. And um, he also runs a company which is very interesting called Pure Solutions um, in America, which is like providing clean rooms in hotels, so like for asthmatics and all that sort of stuff. So, oh, okay. uh, yeah, so it was a really, really good interview. We spoke we spoke today about like growing businesses, the stress points in business, um, you know, what how to overcome them, what's the best structure. Um, and so the other thing we I've started doing associated with the podcast as well is um, uh, one of the speakers at the course in Boston in June said to practice our our public speaking. So right. for anyone that the the few that do follow me on um, on Facebook, what I he said every day go in front of a camera for three minutes and uh, and just talk about anything doesn't matter. And just for practice and the comfort. So, as you know, I'm a bit of a radical guy. So I took his tip, and I've been <laughs> I've been doing it every three minutes. Uh, but instead of just keeping it to myself and deleting, I've I've been putting them good or bad on Facebook. Yep. So um, you might have seen a couple of comments during the week about me in boxer shorts. Um, I actually did a three minute video um, in boxer shorts because the message I was trying to get out to people was. We need to reduce our fear or our, our uh, insecurities being based on the judgment of other, what other people think of us. So I, I thought the best way to do that was to break my insecurities down. And so I did it. I sent the message out in boxes and, uh, right. and port, port power boxes, no less. So, yeah, so that caused a lot of commentary. So... Uh, that was great. And on Saturday, uh, I did a topic on courage, and I was really stupid. I, I jumped into my swimming pool, um, and I've never jumped into water that cold before in my life. It was okay. ridiculous. And not only that, because I'm on this health kick to lose weight again, I promised if I, I've got a massive fear of heights, and I didn't want to be a hypocrite about overcoming your fears. So I said, when I get to 95 kilo, 
um, I'm going to jump out of a plane with a parachute. So uh, wow. I don't know why, why the hell I said that because it's on camera and my cousins are professional parachuters. So <laughs> I, have, I, have, I have to do it. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, so uh, yeah, it's great. I'm really enjoying it. So did, I did Brian this morning as, for an interview, went for 50 minutes. And uh, I've got uh, a guy called Andy Bay. Pardon? It'll be up tomorrow, is that one? Yeah, yeah, it'll be up tomorrow. I've got a I've got a transcript being made for it. And he pointed, I can't remember the book, but he did mention a really good book to read too on leadership. Uh, I've got Andy Bailey coming up this week, uh, Tuesday. Uh, he's a uh, he's a business coach, um, okay. like a strategy and growth coach. He's a he's a great guy too. And uh, and then I've got Tonya on Thursday. She she's actually she was tipped to have the largest scaling business out of the whole course. Um, when she's created like this uh, dental recruitment software, um, so dental surgeries throughout America can use it like an app. Uh, to recruit their dental staff and dental hygienists and all that sort of stuff because she saw a gap in the market. Um, so she'll be awesome. And then on Sunday... On all right, interview... wrap it up, Rick. Come on, you're talking for five minutes now. Oh, sorry. <laughs> well, you, you, you pulled the string and I'm going. And I've got Dan couldn't come Yeah, on. yeah, I know. But look, um, that, that's enough. You're out of your sponsored time for this week. Um, well, so... it was my sponsored time. I should have been talking about New Vision, really, shouldn't I? But, yeah, but uh, that's all right. You can do that next time. Yeah. Um, look, there were, were a couple of interesting comments on Spreaker Chat, which we'll just go to before we wrap up. Um, Austin will play 250 games, says Mick Harrison, and I think that's pretty Massive. accurate. I, I don't reckon it is. I reckon 200 is probably a safe one. 2250 is probably maybe pushing it a little bit. But I'm happy to give him a three-year deal right now. I said that last week. Um, Jimmy Beer Kansas asked about crowd size. Um, Mick Harrison said 15K. Jimmy Beer Kansas said 2K. I think Jimmy Beer Kansas will be closer. I guess we'll see. Um, and um, let's see. da 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 Hartlett will get 28 possessions in the first half and it will dwindle out to three in the second. Boke will get 47 possessions. That's Mick Harrison. And then Jimmy Bickhan says at 35% efficiency. So they're both kind of positive, negative. Is that called negging? Is that what negging is? I think that's negging. Negging. Um, I like like (laughs) negging. So what what if the unthinkable happens? What do you mean? Oh, that we lose? Yeah. Um, Hinkley will get sacked. Hey? Hinkley will get sacked if we lose this game. You reckon Hinkley will get sacked? There is absolutely no justification to lose this game. There's nothing you could say that would justify losing this game. Like nothing. So, if you were KT and we lost this game, would you be going on Hinkley's door on Monday morning going, buddy, I'm sorry, but... No, um, if I was KT, I would be hoping the crowd don't show how dissatisfied they are. Um... And because that means the crowd next time for the home game will be appalling. Um, and I think that would be the one that KT will actually react to. I think this is the sort of game that could lose Hinkley his job, um, but that the response will only happen after the crowds disappear. So yeah. I guess we'll see. I missed the show on Monday, but just quickly uh, entertain me. What was your yours and Macca's commentary on the crowd size? I don't recall what I said. I don't think I said much about it. Um, I don't think anyone said much about it because it was just like a Sunday twilight game. Um, you know, not great weather. Um, I think it's probably an example of what we're going to see in future for Adelaide Oval. Um, we did know that the first few years there'd probably be a bit of a bump just from the experience factor. But for those games in the middle of winter and weird time slots, like night time slots on a, on a Sunday or a Monday or a Thursday that we seem to be playing now, um, then I think those are always going to be suffering unless it's an absolute rip snorter and even then. So I guess we'll see. Yeah, interesting. It was shocking conditions. Yeah, well, look, it's shocking conditions, and I think the main thing that is going to hurt is going to be those like those Sunday games, particularly um, because at Footy Park it was pissing down. You could drive to Footy Park, right, and then you could run for five minutes and then get undercover. Um, but going to Adelaide Oval, you're going to have to public transport, or then you're going to have to walk across the uncovered bridge. Um, one of them. Uh, you're going to spend a lot of time out in the rain to get to the ground even, and then you've got to probably transport it back, and it just all takes longer, you know, for I, a lot of people. I don't know if I'm getting older, but I don't remember being as cold as I was at Footy Park like I was on Sunday. I was I freezing. Think, yeah, it must be an older thing, because I can recall a lot of bloody cold games at Footy Park. <laughs> Definitely. <heaps. laughs> 
All right, look, we're we're wandering a fair bit. Mick Harrison's got one comment. 28K was a fair crowd, except people going on about how cold it was. It was 11 degrees. Um, Anyway, Rick, go for it. Go for what? Okay, fine. What do you want to say? I was going to wrap it up. What do you got? Uh, I was just going to say, I'm disappointed (laughs) because last time we were on, we got asked some really cool non-football related questions. I know, I know. And, And there's nothing. We had Jaunt's one about not being able to speak, and that was it. Yeah, there's... I wanted to... Come on, I want some something deep. Yeah, the, like, maybe ask me why I'm not eating red meat or something anymore, because I'm not eating red meat, so... I don't think anyone cares. Yeah, but I want something good. Something <laughs> philosophical, political, on the edge. Yeah, right. just, a, just a bit of a random ball topic. Okay, all right. Awesome. Well, if you're a listener, you got the message, so, you know, yeah. next time, get them ready. Butcher! Butcher, Khan Butcher. Port Adelaide, go Port. Power. Khan the powers, Khan the ports. Oh. One last hurrah. Loads up. They need a mark and then a goal. West off almost. Motlock couldn't quite. Enright, good tackle. Cassisi to win it. Cassisi does win it. Oh, oh.